Karen. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here, Albert. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm very excited about this conversation with you. Can you maybe tell us more about yourself and your approach with art as a therapy? Absolutely. I've been an artist and an art teacher for decades. And, I, you know, I, I knew subconsciously maybe how healing art was. And I've seen it in action with some of my students. And I can tell you some of those stories. Um, but it's only been in this last year that I was really looking at the science behind the art healing. And that has just ignited me because I... I've got proof, you know, not just proof in the pudding from the art, but also what it does to people's brains and how it heals their emotions and minds is exciting to me. I'm, I'm of the older generation than most of your, your, um, listeners. Um, like I, like I said at the beginning, I have sons, your, your viewers age, and I'm, you know, obviously very fond of that generation and love to see them all stirred up and excited about utilizing their other half of the brain, the right side of the brain that's full of creative possibility. That's amazing. Very interesting that you finally found the science to back this up. Can you maybe share with us some of these uh, findings? But first of all, maybe you can give us an idea about what kind of art are you exactly concerned about? Well, I'm since I'm an artist, a visual artist, um, painter and sculptor and drawer, I also am an actor and a filmmaker. I went back to school for filmmaking. And my sons are all actors. My daughter is an actor. And we are very involved in various art forms. But my sons came to Germany to be musicians. They're incredibly talented musicians and have bands and they travel all over all over Europe. Uh, playing music. So we're very involved in various of the arts, not just the, you know, visual fine arts. And I, I say just because it's certainly enough. Uh, and there's so many ways to be creative. And that's, that gets me excited. So someone saying, well, I'm not an artist or I'm not a musician doesn't mean you can't be creative. And that's, that's the, the key to me is really understanding our own brains that if we're not being creative every day, we're missing out on half of our potential. Um, you know, we have, especially in the West, uh, I'm obviously American from South Carolina on, on the East Coast and our school systems really reward and train and test left brain abilities and skills. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And then they find jobs, you know, very left brain, logical thinking, critical thinking, um, and in a timely manner that these things are easier to grade and, and to, um, uh, and to reward than the very subjective arts and creativity and problem solving outside the box kind of thinking. But we all have that potential. And that's that's really what's important for your listeners to understand it. Even if they're not a musician or an artist or a singer, that doesn't mean they can't be creative in their own unique way. And that's finding different ways to utilize that half of your brain every day. You know, a lot of people sing in the shower. And there's a reason for that. And scientists say that there's actually problem-solving connections being made between left and right hemispheres as you're singing in the shower. Rub-a-dub-dub, -dub, you know, three men in the tub, whatever you're singing in the singing, there are some connections going on mentally 
that maybe there's a situation at work or situation at home, something that, that you, you can't figure out and an idea will come through that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's right. this, this very cool. And then, you know, seeing the science behind it. Um, excites me too. But, you know, as a, as a teacher, and I've worked with all ages, all skill levels through the decades, but you ask a room full of fifth graders, I don't care what country you're talking. I mean, five-year-olds, no matter what country, little children. And you say, do you want to color? Do you want to paint? Do you want to dance? Do you want to sing? Do you want to bang on the drums? Do you want to act out in playground? There's, there's usually not one that will say no. But you ask a room of 15-year-olds, that same question, maybe 10%. You know, they like listen to Led Zeppelin on their headphones, you know, my generation music. <laughs> or, uh-huh. or, you know, they're not engaged. What happened in those 10 years? Did they lose their ability to be creative? Most people then end up with, I can't draw, or I can't sing, or I can't play the, you know, guitar. <clears throat> Because maybe they tried and they didn't have enough instruction. They weren't able to develop any skills past that brain development that says, oh, that rectangle and that triangle isn't actually my house. Because when you're five, that's your house. You know, that little stick figure is dad, that stick figure is mom. And those that that round thing in the sky with the spokes, the spokes, that's the sun. And in their mind, it's not a symbol of the sun. But it actually is to them the sun. And they don't see any difference until there is a part of the, I guess, prefrontal cortex that develops. And suddenly they can see, oh, that's not the sun. Oh, that's not my mom. You know, that's that doesn't look like my house at all. Well, if they don't get instruction at that point or get some kind of good training or mentoring, then there's this gap between what they now can see in real life and their ability to perform that. And that gap is absolutely fillable. And that's what I'm here to say and encourage everybody. If you've tried and failed, and but you really still have that heart's desire, do it, pick it up. If it's the guitar, if it's the piano, if it's singing lessons, get the lessons, get the mentorship that, that will help you develop or get a class. You know, there are a lot of schools have all kinds of creative classes um, <clears throat> in spite of our <laughs> lack of development when they're younger. <laughs> Right. But do you feel like it gets progressively harder over time? Like with age, when you're growing, you're maybe getting more accustomed to uh, the your lifestyle, your like left brain lifestyle. Does it get harder or what, what was it from your experience? Well, that's a very good question, Albert. <laughs> and And to be honest with you, it's hard for me to evaluate that answer because the people that I'm working with have a desire. And to me, that's the most important thing. It's not talent. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning German. My, my sons live in Germany, married beautiful German women and gave me little half German babies. Well, guess what? I'm motivated every day to study, um, German. Yes, might have been easier if I'd learned when I was a child, you know, had more elasticity in my brain. Um, because, you know, it's again, a combination of left brain, right brain. And so you're, you're developing, but I don't, I don't think it means that I have to stop because it's harder for me, you know, to learn German. Um, I'm going to keep trying and keep working at it until I'm fluent. You know, that's my goal. And um, already my, my grandchildren are learning both German and English. They're only two and three, but they're learning both languages at the same time. Mm -hmm. And as I've studied, you know, that 
that it creates places in the brain that wouldn't be there. <laughs> so there's some kind of thing that does happen naturally with brain growth um, if you're young and you get to do it. But I'm saying you're not too old, you're not too late, even if you're, you know, you consider yourself old at 25 or 35, <laughs> it's not too late to learn. If it's still in your heart, that'll give you the motivation to get through it, you know, the the, the learning curve. You know, yeah. I, I myself, when I was a college student in art, I got so much criticism from my drawing painting teachers. Now, I could draw. I had a good drawing teacher. And I learned to draw, but when it came time for painting, and I was a painting major, I liked painting people and nature. But it's the abstract expressionist era, and they all wanted me to be more cerebral, and I guess more left brain, to be honest. And I wasn't there, and I didn't have the skills to really pull off naturalism or realism. And they used four-letter words to describe my painting. Well, you know what? I came in subconsciously agreement with them. And convinced I just wasn't good enough. I didn't have the talent for it. I wasn't good enough. And so I switched to, to sculpture and became my, my graduate degree is in ceramics and, and sculpture, which I love. I'm, I'm not complaining. But for 20 years, I kept trying to paint. Then when I started having children, I wanted to do their portraits. And I would I would get to a point and I couldn't get past my own skill limitations. And I would quit. And I ended up with all of these unfinished canvases for almost 20 years. And it would, it, I didn't even realize totally how much it was affecting my own creative life until I got a mentor, someone who had been to the Chicago Art Institute back in the day when they actually trained artists in the skills needed to be good artists, drawing and painting and color theory. And his lessons changed my life because I got, to the point where my skills could match my desires as an, as an artist, as a visual artist. So I became a muralist. I became, um, I have, I have murals in homes and businesses and schools, um, and canvases. Um, I, I do nature canvases and just one, one best in show in a, in a competition in October. Um, you know, so this has been a, a, a great asset to my life to get past those negative thoughts and beliefs that said you can't do it and you're not good enough. So yeah, I'm going to be 70 on my birthday. So if I can learn it and I can develop the skills I need at this point in my life, so can your incredibly gifted and young and talented audience members. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And it's very motivating. <laughs> I'm now motivating, motivated to go <laughs> start drawing. <laughs> but uh, I have another question about that. So for the, let's say, folks like me who spend their days over like behind the computer and very cerebral, cerebral and things, uh, do you think that performing some kind of digital type of art is also therapeutic? And does it have the same impact or you think that doing it by hand the old-fashioned ways is better so what, what is your thought i i love ai i i mean i i'm i'm on the computer all the time now too my business has gone um basically through zoom or online and you know i love it it, it was a big transition to go from hands-on you know live classes and i still have some of those uh, but I think digital art and a lot of my students are already using digital art when they're doing assignments. I teach a college um, art history appreciation, but I make them do art. They're not allowed to just look at 
history and I, you know, I have written a textbook, you know, specifically for my students because I'm an artist and I'm, I'm, I'm really valuing right brain. I've got students that are not going to go on to college. I mean, go on further to do with the arts. I'm in a small community college. So I'm their own art. I'm their own opportunity, their own chance. And I feel like I've got a threefold purpose, of course, to find the beautiful, incredible history of Western art to be exposed to the, the beauty of, of our, our own culture. Number two, to have their own creativity stirred up. And so I make them do exercises and, you know, I don't judge them by talent. I judge them by do this. And I can't tell you how many are so surprised by how good they end up doing. And the third thing is to create an opinion that they've now looked at enough art and I even have a whole chapter on contemporary artists, hopefully with various choices of, of, of artists that they could relate to, that maybe have their same ethnicity or um, similar background. And they can touch base with them and, and get excited about their story. They have to write a paper about somebody and pick their art and give their opinion. And then now they end up at the end of the semester, I, I give them a, a survey at the beginning and have them opinion questions at the end. And in that time frame, what is now their opinion about art? What do they think? What do they like? You know, really causing them to think about these things because it changes your life. Once you have your eyes open, they're not closed anymore. You know, once you see the beauty around you, in other words, now you're going to take a walk. And this is an exercise you can tell your audience. I recommend it's not an aerobic exercise. You're not, you're going to leave your Fitbit watch at home digitally because you're going to be engaging in your surroundings in a, in a right brained way. You're going to notice the trees. You're going to smell the freshness of the air. You'll go to a park and, and see, um, you know, the leaves. You'll crunch leaves under your feet or the gravel under your feet. You'll hear children swinging. You'll hear birds singing. And all of these touching those senses, touching your senses is all right brain activity. And when we excite our right brain, we release serotonin, which is the happiness chemical. Men have four times the amount of women. And you, you, we all need a boost. And the scientists are saying between 15 and 20 minutes a day is all you need to do. And if you're, that's why when you, you know, people are on their, on their handheld devices, a lot of times they're scrolling, looking at pictures of babies, looking at pictures of puppies, looking at pictures of kittens. Why? Because doing that, looking at beauty, those things release that serotonin. You get a little buzz. You get a little release of, wow, isn't that cute? Isn't that, you know, pretty? Isn't that beautiful? Or sunset, sunrise. Noticing these things is one way to exercise that right brain. Right. And again, it's very nature. It's sensitive. It's intuitive. It's very internalizing. And so that right brain can get very wounded besides being neglected through education, besides being trivialized as not important through a lot of people's curriculum. <clears throat> it's also wounded, especially if it's got these, you know, beliefs of I'm not good enough and I can't do that. These are, these are things that, that need to be overcome to be able to fully exercise your personal potential creatively. And absolutely digital art is a fine choice. You're creative doing podcasts 
Every time you're doing this, you are you are using your right brain, not just your left brain technical skills, but you're interviewing, you're talking to people, you're pulling out ideas. So you're already working your left brain, right brain neuro pathways and building dendrites in your brain already. So I applaud you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Karen. You do. I mean, uh, doing this uh, conversations is uh, especially a brain work like with both hemispheres. And uh, one thing that you mentioned about the benefits of this uh, art, the therapeutic effect, right? You mentioned the problem solving. It's very interesting how like this process of bottom up versus uh, top, top, bottom, bottom down, uh, the problem solving uh, immerses in art. But what are other types of therapeutic effects or healing that can take place during the there, there's a lot of research still going on you know and i'm not technically an art therapist i just didn't know that because i'm an artist and i teach art that we're actually operating in therapy because it can't help but help people emotionally it it it, it helps relieve stress and actually redu- reduces cortisol which is, 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 you know, in our fast paced world of lots of pressure, most of us have too much cortisol happening, you know, and doing something calming, even if it's just like picking up some, some needles and doing some weaving or, or I mean, um, knitting or weaving, or it doesn't have to be drawing and painting. There's so many ways just picking up the guitar and just strumming or drumming a bit. My, my husband's a drummer and one of our sons is a drummer and we got, we got drums all over the house. There's no reason you can't just bang on some drums and release. It releases tension. It releases stress. It releases, um, it, it lowers fears. And, and a lot of people have fear of AI, especially my generation, the older generation. We didn't grow up with it. It's changing so fast. We can hardly catch our breath with the changes. Um, I, I make a point of investigating it. I love chat GT, GPT. I've learned a lot from it and use it in some of my writing. So I, I don't want to be afraid of it. And I, and I hate when people have a fear of it and shut down or back off when it could just, it's a tool. It's a tool. And even some of the, the AI art programs, they can make beautiful paintings, but there's missing that right brain, soul of a person, of a human. No computer is ever going to replace your brilliant right brain creative potential. It can match all the, you know, on, off, one, twos. It can, it can match left brain and even replace a lot of left brain type jobs. And it can even do creative things. It seems, you know, can do some, some, digital um graphics you know it can it can it can meet some criteria for graphics um <clears throat> that may be all that's needed for a situation or a job but for most of us the work we're going to hang on our walls the work we want around us to see on a regular basis we want it to have some kind of of touch to us not just look look good but f- make us feel something and if you have art in your life that doesn't make you feel anything then you need to try to find art that makes you feel something. And that's so much a personal thing. 
And it also is another way to excite your right brain. Because I, I talked to somebody recently and she says, I'm so left brain. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, but you're a writer, you're an author, you know, that's, that's right brain. And she says, and I have art in my life that I love and it just, just really excites me. And I said, that is another key is putting, putting work around you, putting art around you that you love. You know, just like you listen to it, you have in your in your library, your Spotify library, you know, music that you love. It may not be what your mom listens to, but it may. You never know. My kids all still love musicals because I raised them listening to musicals, and they still enjoy them. Is that what they listen to on their own? No, and that's not the kind of music they make. But you know, they they still appreciate the music Mama introduced them to when they were little. Um, but you're you're going to pick your own style of music. You're going to pick your own art. What kind of art? So I encourage you. Find, you know, the next time you're in a fair or, you know, a, 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 a visual arts fair or somewhere where they have prints or go into galleries. I make my students go to art museums or galleries. You know, even in rural South Carolina, we have galleries. People, people still make art in the country and they can look and see what they like, you know, and put it up, put up something that you like. And that's going to just a little spark every day. You know, even if you're not consciously looking at it, it's going to, poof, you know, and the problem solving, I don't understand how it works. I'm not a scientist. I, I just have studied some of what the scientists are saying. For instance, they've taken at Walter Reed um, Military Hospital in the United States, a lot of the soldiers that have come back from war and they're traumatized. Yes, they might have had a physical injury they had to overcome, but they also had a lot of emotional and mental trauma they've had to overcome. And and the number one program that, that has helped the most is doing art with them. So whether you identify as an artist or not, just even doodling, you know, just as you're on the phone or just kind of making circles and shapes. And you'll find some of us are drawn to more organic, rounder shapes. Some people like making more, more geometric shapes. You know, they, they think in terms of shapes that are more hard edge and it's like, there's no wrong way. And then the random, some people combine them, you know, and have all kinds of random shapes and that's engaging that right brain. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to consciously engage my right brain. It's going to happen whether you think about it consciously or not. And, and those will help and, and ideas come, you know, does it come into the left brain? I don't know. But I know that, that, you know, you're talking about the benefits. So stress release is one of them. Being able to focus is a right brain skill. Because when you focus, especially if you're doing a creative project, if you're writing, you're putting together your schedule, or you're, you're doing something that, that's putting pieces together, you know, that's kind of right brainish. Um, then you're going to have this synapses happening and connecting these two sides automatically, whether, whether you want to or not. And, that, and as a result, that focus, you lose time, you lose self-consciousness. If you're, you know, you had a headache, now you, you hadn't even thought about your headache the whole time you're focused on doing these projects. And that's a gift of the right brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that you, you, you can be fully present in what you're doing is a right brain skill. Um, other benefits are, like I said, reduction of fears and anxiety and stress. And I don't know if you've met anybody in your life that has fear and stress and anxiety, but I don't think I know anybody that doesn't. 
at some point deal with some kind of stress. You know, your story is very dramatic and I can imagine how long it took till there weren't nightmares and what are nightmares, but your subconscious releasing trauma, you know, it's, it's releasing traumatic memories and thoughts that, you know, would just make you sick if you kept it inside and one way or another, it needs to come out and, you know, self-expression, a way to another way to, to, get in touch with who you are personally deep inside. Um, and, and it can be just strumming a, a guitar, noodling on the, on the piano. So it doesn't have to be drawing, doesn't have to be painting, but those are certainly wonderful, viable options. Play-Doh, believe it or not, is very therapeutic. Something about just moving that Play-Doh around in your hand, you know, just squishing it, making little shapes out of it, holds the shapes, and then you can stick it back in the barrel, and, you know, because one of the issues with, with the right, with the left brain is perfectionism. And it can be a huge deterrent to that wonderful right brain that wants to try new things, that wants to experiment and be safe. And that left brain bully can be saying, you can't do that because you're not doing it right. You know, you, you, you know you're messing up. It's like, hush up, hush up, right side. I mean, left brain, because the right brain is going to be trying something new. And we need to keep a safe space without criticism, without any judgment. And in this space, the right brain can be free you know, to try a new language, to try um, a new instrument, to try to draw or paint or something creative or to dance, take a dance class. That energy you release in your physical body is also healing your brain. It helps release from mental fog, brain fog and, and mental confusion. All of those things are helped when we release our right brain into its beautiful brilliance. Yeah, too many, too many benefits. <laughs> Everybody should do that. Everybody's a creative. Like you right know, now. I'm a believer in that we're created by a creator who gave us his 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 nature. And half of our brain is for creativity. Right. And if we're not utilizing it, we're not really in touch with our our spiritual side too. That that's you know, when when God speaks, 99.9% of us. Even if we're listening, we're not hearing God speak, but maybe we get an idea or a thought or a comforting, a comforting feeling. Where'd that come from? I believe it's that spirit to spirit touch and it comes through the right side of our brain. So we need healing and restoration and, and a lot more exploration of our right brain. There's so many ways to do it. And you know what? You can, you can chat GPT and get a whole list of right brain <laughs> exercises, <laughs> like a hundred of them. <laughs> and they're all one more brilliant than the next. <laughs> you can do it over your lunch break. You know, they're talking about like taking a stroll over a lunch break or, or doodling over a lunch break to just, you know, noodling on the, on the guitar or the piano, doing something that just starts exciting your right brain. Yeah everyone all ages and skill levels find some way to enjoy and the potential of your right brain it's unlimited it is truly unlimited absolutely absolutely <laughs> one last question for you i'm just curious like you were mentioning the all sorts of activities and things that you might try as art but i distinguished uh, two kind of properties if you want to call it 
regarding these types, we have things like doodling or strolling or something like that, where you let your mind wander. And we have painting or uh, playing the piano or something where you have an, you should be focused on your task. So I think these are two different types. So do you see different effects of them or because, yeah, maybe you can have more. I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, part of that is the motivation, you know, or, or the purpose of what you're doing. If you're doodling and I, I, I'm the, you know, if I'm listening, I'm doodling, you know, I'm almost always doodling. It's that is a different function than when I'm purposefully looking at something that I'm drawing two different functions, but they're actually still part of the right brain. Now, when you actually physically do it, you're using your left brain. So again, we're, we're not, it's not either, or we're trying to make, build these more and more connections to Mm -hmm. use both sides of our brain. And what's happened is most of us have kind of ignored or trivialized what, what's happening with our right brain. So you're right. You know, Taking a stroll is a totally different thing than purposefully I'm writing a book and I'm going to put words together and I'm going to focus on, on getting, you know, my thoughts down and, you know, journaling is another way. And journaling can just, again, be like, like noodling, just kind of random putting thoughts down, or it can be, I have a topic and, and I'm, I'm going to focus on, on answering the questions of this topic or, or making my points. So, you know, the, it's not necessarily just either or. I think it's it's very much they both have a place because they both work on that right brain left brain connection. So that was a good question. Good yeah. question. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, by that I think we came to the end. So I'd like just to thank you so much for these insights. It's really thoughtful and. I think it uh, gave a lot of inspiration to many people. So thank you so much, Karen. <laughs> That's that absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. I do have a passion about it and um, I have a lot more to learn, but I've seen it work in so many people. And just one little short story and then I'll let you go of a, of a young man who was so good in art and coming into my studio. Um, but he had trouble with, with reading. He, he was dyslexic and ADHD. And so getting the success in art enabled him to create some left brain, right brain connections that when he had a traumatic brain injury at only 18 years old, he was able, in spite of a, a, a paralysis of his right side, his mother brought him when he got out of the hospital four months later, paralyzed. He couldn't talk. His hand was curled. It worked, worked really hard to get that uncurled. He couldn't even barely walk yet. But she brought him back to my studio, and I endeavored to teach him to draw left-handed um, and right left-handed. And in a very short amount of time, he did, to the point where his neurosurgeon called me and said, I, I don't know what you're doing with David. I've never called anybody's art teacher before. But he is gaining, he's gotten so much strength in his weak hand, he's better at it than I am, and I'm a surgeon. And, you know, coming to the conclusion that the neural pathways he had been connecting already were working for him to be recovered. He can draw and he can write left-handed as good as he could right-handed. So now he's talking, now he's walking, he's continued to get therapy, and he's considered to he- continued to heal. And that's what the neurosurgeon said to me. It's bringing healing to the right side. 
Can I explain that? No, but it's real. It's a real life example to me of the power of art to heal and restore. So I encourage everyone, art as self-therapy, wellness through creativity, find your creative personal spark. (laughs) Yeah, that's very inspiring. Thank you so much. This story is fascinating. Thank you so much for being here, Karen. And I hope you see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. I did. Enjoyed it. God bless.